Hello, listeners, and welcome to our final episode of Bending the Bars. My name is Anthony, and I'm my name is Anthony, and I'm your host. Joining me tonight are I'm Jewel, Monica, and I'm Jordan. First off, we're gonna start with a story. It's actually about a young woman who was a heroin user and who eventually got arrested um, and was, you know, facing a felony charge. Well, the whole point of going to drug court, which is what she decided to do, was to avoid that felony charge. But when that treatment wasn't particularly working and they could tell that they needed some serious treatment where they could be completely isolated from the outside world, she asked, please take me to jail for seven days so I can be consistently on this treatment. Well, when she got to jail, they refused her treatment, which is against jail policy, but she experienced this horrible withdrawal symptoms, and she writes about this in an article, just about the horrible pain she went through and how it was very unfair, and she was told that she was going to get this treatment, but she ended up not getting this treatment. And looking at the story, we can see that some people, like the nurses who declined her treatment, um, don't believe in it. And they think it's not effective and that it's a waste of time. This specific story is about drug treatment, which affects half of the federal prison population because they're abusing drugs or are addicted to them. The thesis for our podcast this season is they say those who believe treatment regarding substance abuse, education, and job training is ineffective also believe that having these programs in prison is a waste of time, that it is wasted effort, a lost cause. I say despite the current recidivism rates for prisons, many studies suggest that people who receive this treatment are less likely to return to prison. Entering majority of people in prison will eventually return to society. I also say that in other words, people in prison are not a lost cause. They will return to society eventually and giving them the tools to do this starts in incarceration. The fix, it is important to break down these misconceptions about the effectiveness of treatment programs by looking at prisons who have low recidivism rates in correlation to treatment. This can help other communities reciprocate the results. Treatment programs are beneficial for people in many ways, and those benefits can spread across multiple types of treatment. All people have to be gi- all people have to be given is the chance to have treatment. And uh, the, my my evidence is coming from quotes. So, the substantial prison population in the United States is strongly connected to drug-related offenses. While the exact rates of the inmates with substance disorders, or SUDs, is difficult to measure, some research shows that an estimated 65% of the United States prison population has an active SUD. 
Another 20% did not meet the official criteria for an SUV, but were under the influence of drugs or alcohol at the time of their crime. That was a quote from drugabuse.gov. And the next one is from bjs.gov. More jail inmates than prisoners met the threshold for serious psychological distress in the past 30 days. And among the among those who had ever been told they had a mental disorder, the largest percentage of the prisoners and jail inmates reported they had a massive they had a major depressive disorder. Some people say that addiction or mental illness is a choice. According to an article that was highly criticized, if it is considered a foolish and self-destructive activity that is not necessarily a disease. To quote the article, it defines a like a disease as a disorder of structure, a function in the human, animal, or plant, especially one that produces specific signs or symptoms or that affects a specific location and is not simply a direct result of physical injury. So when we look at what chemical dependency is, one thing that I found really interesting, this really cool video broke it down for us. Substance abuse affects the limbic system, which is our basic instincts for survival. And so over time with heavy drug use, what can happen is that your brain is telling you that these drugs that you've been using are essential for survival. This is why people who are addicted to something or are going through substance abuse, it's the only thing that they can have on their mind because it's not something that they can control. It's a part of their brain makeup now. And that is why I think that it isn't a choice and especially with the definition of like disease it it doesn't make sense for one to say that it is a choice People who receive substance abuse treatment are less likely to return to jail or prison. Studies have shown that people who participate in prison-based programs and substance abuse treatment programs are not only seven times more likely to remain drug-free, they are three times less likely to be incarcerated again. When we look at the character earlier in our podcast, we can see that she's headed down a dark and painful path, and I believe that if we denied people more treatment we would have so many people lost and not getting the help that they need addiction is not something people have control over addiction needs attention in order to be overcome and research has shown that criminal justice treatment in criminal justice has better effects than people who voluntarily enter treatment because i believe that when they're given an ultimatum based on treatment or jail they're going to take treatment whereas someone who is coming in completely voluntarily they don't have anything hung over their head
Tonight we have a special guest, Davian. Would you mind introducing yourself and explaining your interest in the topic? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, hello, my name is Davian, and I mean, honestly, I am just somebody who uh, really takes a a keen interest in um, politics, in any sort of uh, social social scenes or social justice things like that, and. Um, I have, uh, I actually have, you know, family members who have been in the system, if you will, uh, in the prison system. And so I have definitely just done research in through just like lived experiences on this sort of topics. So Davian, uh, how does uh, your uh, knowledge of things that have happened with your family and their stay in, let's say, um, the prison system and uh, programs that they received during their stay to help, what what is your overall um, thought about how well Washington State does with their prison programs, I guess? Mm-hmm. Okay, so, I mean, I don't know uh, a lot of those sorts of um, the ins and outs of uh, what types of programs uh, the Washington prison system offers um, and whatnot. Um, But I I would say that um, I think that if help is available, be it, um, you know, rehab or uh, drug addiction for um, possibly education. Um, I do think that it would it is it would make a um, a huge impact in, in a big difference in um, both the the life of the prisoner while they're an inmate, and then of course outside um, of the prison once they do get out. Um, and it's not only that it affects the prisoner, um, as I just mentioned, it, it affects families, and so I think that it is a good thing all the way around to be able to offer that that kind of um help and and what would you say to um you know those people that you know there's people out there that just disagree 100 percent. they think that you know providing education to inmates it's going to improve their criminal behavior and ultimately maybe even making it harder to catch them in the future what would you say to the people that um have that state of mind Um, yeah, there's, there's kind of a lot to unpack there, <laughs> but, um, what, what I would say, you know, first off is I, I don't believe that, um, people inherently want to do bad or are inherent criminals. I think that, um, environmental stressors, environmental, uh, stimuli, things like that absolutely play a role, um, in those types of things. And so, so I think that um, when somebody feels, especially probably a prisoner, when they feel like um, they are unworthy, not worth it, they have nothing to offer, um, then absolutely that kind of um, mindset and uh, reality is going to perpetuate. And um, the sad thing is, is it perpetuates from generation to generation. Um, so, so yeah, that's what I would say is, you know, I don't believe that anybody inherently is a bad, um, you know, a bad person who wants, who wants to commit crimes. Um, I think that, um, although, 
100%, I do believe it's a, uh, it, it can be a choice, but I, I do think that people should have a more open mind about, about said choices. Um, sometimes the choices are impossible to make. Um, and so, so yeah, that's, that's basically what I would say. Um, and then perhaps just keep an open mind and, and perhaps try um, empathy, even though you know, you may not be aware of the types of things that go on um, in, in people of color, black people, and or or whatever. It, I think that an open mind and um, empathy can go a long way to to healing a lot of things in our country. Right, I agree with that 100%. Um, and I also feel like, okay, so kind of like what you're saying is basically like, you know, if, if we did get in the education, it doesn't mean that they're necessarily going to use it for the worse, that just giving them the chance to get the education, they'll be able to have a way to make a better choice versus not giving them the education to where their only choice is, you know, the bad one. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um. Yep. People believe that certain people with criminal records or criminal history aren't able to be rehabilitated and should be considered lost causes. Like, what are your thoughts on that? Um, I mean, I, I would first want to know exactly what their their definition or how they're defining a criminal history. Like, what is the um, uh, what is the extent so what's the extent of the criminal history what is the extent and the severity of the actual crime um in their criminal history um so that's what i would want to know first and then um secondly i i i just do not believe like that i think that people with a criminal history who who may not have who don't have um support who don't have ways to to better their life or for help in order to better their life. Um, I think, sure, it could be um, hard for them to get reformed and and be rehabilitated. Um, But I would never think of somebody as a lost cause for the most part. Like I said, I would want to know the extent and the severity. But for the most part, um, I'm so let's say that we're talking about a a reoffending uh, drug drug dealer or drug addict and um, they're continuing to go like a revolving door in and out of the system. Um, I think that if they have not had the opportunity to actually get some real meaningful help um, or if they have that opportunity then I do believe that they would be able to be reformed. A lot of the times it is just a Um, Like I said, it's like everything um, connects and plays into another. Um, And this may be off topic. Um, Well, not off topic, but off of the exact question. Because there's just something that I I wanted to mention that I think that we need to like look underneath the surface about what's going on. Um, And one of the things is, like I said, I hope I'm not going too far off, but one of the things is... um, the fact that we have privately funded prisons, uh, that is just, it is an outrage to me that people, companies, corporations 
are literally making money off of um, criminals. And I think that there is a lot of different things at play within our institutions that um, actually try to help in that in, in that arena so that these corporations are able to continue making money, are able to, um, you know, maintain these high recidivism rates. And um, I think that that is a feature and not a bug of the system. And that's a problem. So kind of like um, we're just uh, we're arresting and putting people in prison just for the money. Uh, exactly. Those privately owned prisons. Right. No, I, I completely understand. I get that. Um, That was Davian. Uh, th- thank you for jo- or for coming and being a guest on our podcast. It was very helpful, and w- we all are really appreciative of that. Uh, yeah, th- thanks for coming. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, definitely. I absolutely love uh, discussing these these things. So yeah, thanks for having me. Another key thing is that many employers aren't willing to hire people with criminal records, and there's really no way to go around that at this point in time. However, when we look at the statistics of how many people have been successful after being involved in prison programs, we can see this is not always the case. Although the majority of respondents felt their criminal record had impacted their job search, 87% of those employed said their current employer knew about their criminal history. Most reported high job satisfaction. The majority liked the work they did, 88%, believed their job would provide better opportunities, 75%, and felt they had good relationships with their coworkers, 90%. Counter-arguing that, there we can see that job training provides more opportunities for people being released from incarceration. This hands-on work offers the inmates training on a specific skill that provides them with ways to return into society and contribute as well as earn a wage. While incarcerated, the working inmates offsets their cost of incarceration. They earn a small wage while creating a product that can be purchased at substantial savings by businesses and organizations. The benefits of these programs include inmates being able to be prepared for handling responsibility outside of the correctional facility, practical and functional life training skills, and and general technical skills knowledge. Some additional benefits are just some small skills that can help the inmates become a functional member of society, and these are traits of timeliness, respecting authority figures, comprehension of direction, the value of teamwork, and taking pride in one's accomplishments. Job programs and prison programs benefit prisoners by allowing them to gain many skills. Having these skills allow for inmates to be prepared for work by giving them a chance to see what a work environment is like.
When we look back to Morgan's story, when she was left without treatment, after the seven-day time period was up, she was put back out on the streets, not necessarily back into drug courts, and she said that without that treatment, she was not stabilized, like how that treatment was supposed to stabilize her. So not only did she continue going back to using heroin, she lost several jobs, she ended up living on the streets, and she said that she even was charged with multiple felony charges despite going all through of like all through this to avoid that if this attitude towards treatment continues we're going to see more cases like hers and we can't let this continue because that's just simply inhuman and most people in prison or in jail are going to return back to society so it is essential to give people the tools to grow Thanks, everyone, for listening in to our final episode of this podcast. And thank you all for listening to the series. It was... It was an experience to make. Special thanks to Davion for helping us with this episode. Her input was greatly appreciated.